Hare Krishna. We're going to continue reading from Srimad Bhagavatam and we're going to continue for a few days discussing about death, the moment that the topic is at the moment of death, how we prepare for that. But my hope is that by doing this we'll become fearless in the face of death, or at least a little less fearful than we were before we started. So I'm on an irregular schedule because I've just returned from India, so I'm waking up like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And so this morning I got a chance to go through around six cantos of the Bhagavatam, researching this phrase at the moment of death, and it's been very interesting. So what we've done is we've shared a link on my Facebook page where you can get I have uh, taken 10 pages of notes. It's going to take us a few days. I've taken 10 pages of notes, and you can, if you go on my Facebook page somewhere, is the link. So you can get the link for that. And I want to ask Guru Nishta if you can also put the link, or if you've put the link in the title. And I didn't write a title. I don't know if it's too late. But if you can put the link here, and then you could copy that link from the chat, then you would have access to the material I'm reading, because I think it's going to be more effective for you if you read along with what I'm reading, because a lot of what we're going to discuss are things that I'm reading. So I'll be talking about what I'm reading, but there's a lot to read, and so if you can read it, it's better. So, the text has been posted. Okay, posted on my Facebook page, correct? Can we... The entire text is posted, or is there a link? See, if we do Zoom, then I can actually post the text on the screen. There's a way to do it on Facebook, but it's a little complicated, and I have to work on it. And I'm a little bit technologically challenged. <laughs> so, things that are supposed to go smooth. Okay, there's, there's. if you can copy that link, that's on my Google Drive, the, the Word document that I'm reading from, is there if you can download that, if you need to download it, or else you can get it off my Facebook page. But that's the... Oh, the entire text is on the Facebook page, but you can down, download it here. When it says Pallavi Mishra underneath, you'll see a link to my Google Drive, and then you can download the Word doc or read it from your Google. So, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. And there's Kamini. I put the link from my Facebook page. Thank you for doing that. So, if you want to copy that link, then it will be good. Namo Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Shamiti Namani Namaste Sharashwati Devi Gauravani Pacharini Narisay Sasunivari Paschati Rasatarini. So, this morning I had a really good morning. It was very, very, a very interesting. And I was reading things which I had read before, 
I was reading things which on the surface seem quite simple, but within the context of leading many things that Prabhupada said about the moment of death, I started to realize, which I think should be obvious to all of us, that there's so many examples in the Bhagavatam about how people died. And it's giving all these different stories, dying in a good way, dying in a bad way, dying in an okay way, and we're going to discuss that. But then as I was studying the topic, I just started thinking, okay, what, what are all the stories uh, of how we hear various people dying? And they're all exemplary stories that exemplify the devotees, exemplify the non-devotees. So it was very, very interesting. And all the things that Prabhupada had said about dying, which we have, some of which we have discussed, um, and more of the things that he had said, I want to discuss today, and I think it will underscore what we've been talking about, how death is not something to be feared, it's not something to run away from. But when, when you're in Krishna consciousness, you understand that life or death, it's really, it's really not different because we're always protected by Krishna and that everything ultimately is happening by his will. So, I want to begin by reading from the Bhagavad Gita from the 13th chapter, text 8 through 12, but I'm not going to read the entire text. In fact, I'm not going to read the text at all. But in this text, this verse discusses the items of knowledge. It lists many, many items of knowledge. And one of these items is, as you know, Janma, Jara, Mityu, Vyadi, Dukkha, Doshana, Darshanam, which means the perception of the evil of birth, death, old age, and disease. That's an item of knowledge. And to it, what it means is awareness of, as we were discussing before, a lot of us run away from, run away from the concept of death. It's just um, it's not palatable. I don't like thinking about it. So to be aware of it, to confront it, to understand what it is and why it exists, and I would say ultimately to understand the benefit of it, the benefit of birth, old age, disease, and death, the things we don't want are the very things that help us become more Krishna conscious. Or, or you could say, we need those things to push us to Krishna. These are the things that push us to Krishna. And death uh, pushes us to Krishna in amazingly powerful ways. And so therefore, it's always lurking over our head, luring around us, and it's very helpful. It, it creates sobriety, and we don't, we shouldn't see it as an enemy, but we should see it as something which is an impetus and something which purifies us. So, in the purport, Prabhupada explains this. And if you have the doc, you can read along with me. This is right on the beginning of the document. <clears throat> For those of you who have come late, if you scroll up, you can see links to the document I'm reading from. So if you want, rather than just listening, you can read along with me. And that, It's on my Facebook page, it's also on my Google Drive, and you can access it either way. So this is from the purport. One should try to understand the distress of accepting birth, death, old age, and disease. There are descriptions in various Vedic literatures of birth. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, 
the world of the unborn, the child stay in the womb of the mother, its suffering, etc., all very graphically described. So Prabhupada's saying here, we shouldn't avoid discussing, but we should be aware of the miseries of birth, death, and old age and disease. This is, uh, this is considered an item of knowledge. And it makes sense because nobody's discussing these things, and the world is in ignorance, predominated by Tamagun. So these are things that should be discussed. Thank you, Carmenia, for posting my Google Drive and my Facebook page. There are two separate links she's posted. It should be thoroughly understood that birth is distressful because we forget how much distress we have suffered within the womb of the mother. We do not make any solution to the repetition of birth and death. Similarly, at the time of death, there are all kinds of sufferings, and they are also mentioned in the authoritative scriptures. These should be discussed, so that's what we're doing. And as far as disease and old age are concerned, everyone gets practical experience. So we forget the suffering of, in the womb, and we forget the suffering of death from a past life, old age, disease. Well, disease we have experience. You will have experience of old age. If you're over 30, you're starting to get a little experience. No one wants to be diseased. No one wants to become old. There is no avoiding these. Unless we have a pessimistic view of this material life, Considering the distresses of birth, death, old age, and disease, there's no impetus for making advancement in spiritual life. Wow! I'm going to read that again. If so, if you, if you don't like birth, old age, disease, and death, well, that's good, but don't run away from it. Face it, discuss it, use it as an impetus. So I'll read this again. Unless we have a pessimistic view of this material life, Considering the distresses of birth, old age, birth, death, old age, and disease, there's no impetus for making advancement in spiritual life. <clears throat> there's no suffering, there's no impetus because we're not attracted to Krishna. And it's, it's these things that gets us going so that we, we'll become attracted to Krishna. Once we're attracted to Krishna, we don't need this as an impetus. We only need this as an impetus until we're attracted. But in the beginning, because we're not attracted, this is the impetus. So, it's not good to avoid thinking about these things. And people say pessimistic. I wouldn't call it pessimistic. Prabhupada's saying this is an impetus. We should be... Um, when Prabhupada's saying we should have a pessimistic, pessimistic view of this, he's really saying we should have a realistic view. Because the realistic view is pretty pessimistic. Hare Krishna. So um, we should have a pessimistic view, a real quote uh, slash realistic view of the world. And it will be the impetus. In fact, in the beginning, it's going to be the only impetus. Isn't that interesting? Say, no, but Prabhu, my impetus is to chant Hare Krishna. Yeah, well, the best rounds you ever chanted were when you were in distress. So, this makes sense, doesn't it? Um, when we're really sick, at least when I get really sick, I think, what a fool I was to want to come here and take on a material body. And I think this body is enjoyable. At this moment, it's only suffering. And so I become very sober. It's when everything is good and we're all happy that we think more about enjoying the body, isn't it? 
So reminders, Krishna reminds us, he won't make it perfect here because that's our impetus. So that's very important. So then the next point in, the, in this document, as I went through the introduction, well, I didn't go through an introduction, but I searched, and you can do this also if you want. I searched at the moment of death or at the time of death. I forget which one I searched. I searched at the time of death. And so in the introduction to Bhagavad Gita, that phrase at the time of death came up six times. So it was really um, an important theme. And you could say the Bhagavad Gita is preparing us for the time of death. You could say all the Vedic literature are preparing us for the time of death. So that's an interesting thought. We discussed it. just want to emphasize this, that everything we're learning is preparing us for that moment when we can be completely Krishna conscious and leave the body. And so, I began on, what was the first day I did it? Today's Tuesday. So the first day was Sunday. So I began the talk on Sunday when we talked about death as the final exam. And we mentioned that that was a big theme. And the next quote is from the Bhagavatam where Prophet actually talks about that because I, I quoted one verse, which was 216, you remember that verse we had read, which talked about death as final exam. But here's another one, Prabhupada goes a little more into it. So this is 4.23.14. If you don't have the document I'm reading from, but you have access to the database, then you can go 4.23.14. This is about Prithimaraj giving up his body. As I said, Bhagavatam was it just dawned on me. I, I, sometimes you, you have this experience where something's obvious and it dawns on you that although it's obvious, it was never obvious to you. It should have been, but it wasn't. Well, as I said, this dawned on me. There's so many stories of people leaving their bodies in the Bhagavatam because ultimately it's, that's what it's about, how you leave your body. So in due course of time, when Prithu Maharaj was to give up his body, he fixed his mind firmly upon the lotus feet of Krishna. And thus, completely situated on the Brahma Bhuta platform, he gave up the material body, Brahma, Brahma Bhuta. Purport, according to here, Prabhupada talks about. According to a Bengali proverb, whatever spiritual progress one makes in life will be tested at the time of death. In Bhagavad Gita 8.6, it is also confirmed. Yam, yam, bapi. Yeah, you can read it right. Come in here. You are, you are right there. You can read what I'm reading. This is fantastic. Uh, let's see. I can read it right off the phone. According to a Bengali proverb, whatever spiritual progress one makes in life will be tested at the time of death. In Bhagavad Gita, it is also confirmed Yam yam vapi smaram bhavam tazi anta kalevam tam tame vaite kontea saradam bhava bhavita. Those who are practicing Krishna consciousness know that their examination will be held at the time of death. If one can remember Krishna at death, he is immediately transferred to Goloka Vrindavan or Krishna Loka, thus his life becomes successful. 
Prita Maharaj, by the grace of Krishna, could understand that the end of his life was near, and thus he became very jubilant. Important word, he became jubilant. He's going to die and he's becoming jubilant. And proceeded to completely give up, give up his body on the Brahma Bhuta. Give up on the Brahma Bhuta, I guess, platform. I missed, missed a word, so it should be platform. Okay. So the first first thing said here, according to a, a Bengali proverb, whatever spiritual progress one makes in life will be tested at death. So that's self-explanatory. And then Prabhupada said, if you're Krishna conscious, if you practice Krishna consciousness, you go back to Krishna. You remember Krishna. And then the last thing which is so interesting is Prita Maharaj is jubilant. He knows he's going to die and he's happy. Oh, I'm going to die. Why is he happy? Because now he can meet Krishna and go into his eternal lila. And he also has time. And Prabhupada said, if you know you're going to die, you're very fortunate. So he has time to prepare. Not all of us have time to prepare. Um, and so he was, he was very happy to give up his body. And so one of, one of the goals of this series, and now we have uh, 10 pages and that's only six cantos, so maybe we'll have another five or so more pages as I go through the Bhagavatam. Maybe even more because I'll go through other books. And it shows the attitude of a devotee that the devotee, if he knows he has to give up his body, he doesn't lament. But he takes it, well, this is what Krishna wants, and I can die in Krishna consciousness, then this will be wonderful. It will be, you could say, a highlight of one's life. And, and you know, everyone wants to hold on to their body. But the body is just a vehicle for service. And so if Krishna lets, lets us serve in another vehicle, then why should we be attached to this vehicle? Just thank this vehicle for allowing you to engage it in service. And you are not this vehicle. We're going to read something. We're going to read a few interesting things that I think are going to help you die, Not maybe not today, but are going to help you die sooner than later. And um, as a side point, I don't know if I told you, I was a little, maybe reluctant to send this out, but I'll put this on Facebook, but... There's a devotee who has psychic power, and he actually can see if someone has the coronavirus or not. And he can actually see what kills the virus. And he said ginger and turmeric will kill it. He said the virus is easy to kill. It's just the result of the virus is, is very bad, but the virus itself is not that hard to kill. Isn't that interesting? So drink turmeric water and eat ginger. And you might think, oh, how could that work? Maybe it won't, but it's healthy anyway. I normally do it anyway. So no loss, right? Um, so then you don't have to worry about dying tomorrow, at least if you believe that. But I want to read something. It's the next one, 42961, 42961. This is really interesting because we're all worried, worried about dying. And Prabhupada said, we're always dying. Every night we're dying. 
Isn't that interesting? Let's read this. This is from the purport. As stated in this verse, Shayanam imam utrija shashantam. Shayanam means laying down night utsrija, you give up. The gross body may lie on a bed and rest. And even though the machinery of the gross body is working, the living entity may leave, go into a dream, and return to the gross body. So that means the living entity goes away in the subtle, with the subtle body, has an experience outside the body. Paramatma keeps the engine running, and then he comes back in the body. Hmm, interesting. When he returns to the body, he forgets his dream. Similarly, when the living entity takes on another gross body, he forgets the present gross body. The conclusion is that the subtle body, mind, intelligence, and ego, creates an atmosphere with desires and ambitions that the living entity enjoys in the subtle body. Actually, the living entity is in the subtle body even though the gross body apparently changes and even though he inhabits the gross body on various planets. So let's revisit this. When I, when I read this, I thought, this is really good because everyone's afraid of dying. If I ask you, are you afraid of dying? If you're honest, you'll say, yeah, or a little bit. Unless you're very Krishna conscious, then you'll say whatever Krishna wants. But I think most, most people who aren't devotees are afraid and many devotees are afraid. Now, let's look at it this way. Every night when we dream, we actually leave our body. So in that sense, we can say every night or almost every night we're dying. So, you know, one night you just die and you don't come back. Every other night you die and you come back. Now, so, you don't have to be afraid because you've done this so many times. We're kind of used to dying. You just, Prabhupada's saying, you leave your body there in your subtle body, mind, intelligence, ego, you actually go. You, the soul, is connected with that subtle body and then you go out of that gross body and the gross body's just there lying on the bed. And you actually go out and you're having a dream of dreaming of this and that. You're not actually in that body. Your subtle body is no longer in that body and you as a soul are not in the body. Isn't that interesting? And, but another thing I found even more interesting is the last sentence. Actually, the living entity is in the subtle body. Like, you know, when you leave your body, you take another body. You, you travel in your subtle body. So your mind continues as is from one body to another. You have the same mind. So the soul is traveling with the subtle body. So there's some connection of the soul and the subtle body from life to life, although we're not that body and we're not that subtle body. But that's how the soul transmigrates. It travels with that subtle body. So there's more identity connected with the subtle body than the gross body. Isn't that interesting? So when I read that, I thought, we, always, we tend to think of ourselves as our personality or our minds. That's where we identify very strongly with, especially as devotees, because we've learned we're not the body. 
So don't worry. You think, oh, I'm going to leave this body. Yeah, but you won't leave the mind. So you'll have that identity of mind. You'll have that security if you get another body. And, it, and that being said, what Prabhupada's saying here, um, actually the living entity is in the subtle body, even though the gross body apparently changes, and even though he inhabits the gross body on various planets. So within consciousness, within the heart, of the seed of consciousness, the soul exists and it travels in the subtle body. So the gross, we have nothing to do with the gross body, we have more to do with the subtle body. Isn't that interesting? And that subtle body that is the continuity, there's continuity there and we'll discuss that a little more. But that's where the soul is existing, so at night it's going out and at death it's going out. And so there's more of an identity or more of a connection with that subtle body, whereas Prabhupada's saying it has nothing to the soul. The soul has something to do with the subtle body. That's it's not who he is, but it goes with him. But the gross body doesn't go, so he actually has nothing to do with the gross body. So it's a nice meditation that our identity is very wrapped up in our mind, who we are, our intellect. So that's it's um, where the soul is being the soul is being carried by that. Interesting. Now, as I said, when I was doing this study, then I was thinking, I was thinking, um, <laughs> Kate Nutton says, I think I'll think of a spider at the time of death. No, you might think of a gulab jamun at the time of death. And then you become a cow. And we can make a gulab jamun out of paneer. Um, keep listening and you'll understand. Probably not going to happen to you if you're Krishna conscious. So, as I was reading, I was thinking, okay, there's so many stories in the Bhagavatam. And I, I just started thinking. Some of the stories. Can you think of some some of the stories about death? Just write write down write down in the comments or whatever, the text chat box, write down someone in the Bhagavatam who dies and and then we can talk about that in the example because you'll see there's so many. I was just going off the top of my head. I don't want to give you ideas because I, I want you to... You probably have uh, thought of some I haven't thought of. But what stories do we have? Prikshit Maharaj. Wow. She's taking it from my, <laughs> my sheet. <laughs> Gajendra? Yeah. Okay, so you have to add to what Kamaniya gave. Uh, she gave example. These are all examples that came to my mind. So then you can add to those examples. Well, I'll just read those and see if you can think of anyone else. Prakshir Maharaj, Bhishma Dev, Bharat Maharaj, and then Jad Bharat. Dhruva Maharaj, Prithu Maharaj, then examples of how a materialistic man dies. 
Then you have King Paranjan, you have Jamil, you have Nalukavaramani Griva, they became trees. King Riga, you know, remember Krishna met him and then liberated him. And then you have these stories of all these personalities that were cursed, and then they met Krishna and they were freed from their curse by meeting Krishna. This, so, and then yes, Gajendra, well, Gajendra didn't die, he almost died. He had a good fight. Um, Pukshir Maharaj, Jamil, yes. Kamini deleted it. No, but I see it. Anyway, that's fine. So, um, now if you think about these stories, there's, um, you know, there's, there's something to learn from each story. Right? Well, Prakshir Maharaj, the main thing, we, one of the main things we learned, of course, it's part of Leela that he was there to, so Bhagavatam could be spoken. But the thing we learned about Prakshir Maharaj was he didn't go to Disneyland when he knew he had seven days, as a lot of people would. Or he didn't do, you know, something he was dying to do. But as we had discussed, he went to, he found someone who could guidance? I have seven days to live. What should I do? And I told this story before. It's a very depressing story. It happened maybe two years ago. I was visiting my in-laws, and it's a retirement community. And many people in their late seventies and eighties were playing cards, and this is how they were spending their last days. And I saw that. I thought this is so depressing because they should be manapras visiting temples. And now they're playing cards. So Prakshir Maharaj didn't join a retirement community. Oh, I have seven days to live. I can play golf and tennis and play cards for seven days. That'll be a good way to die. So we learned that. And then Bhishma Dev, interest, interesting thing about Bhishma Dev, as you know, Bhishma Dev was given the blessing that he could die at will. And he wanted to die seeing Krishna. So then he's setting that example. That's the perfection thinking of Krishna or seeing Krishna, just having Krishna, totally absorbed in Krishna. Of course, Prakshir Maharaj was totally absorbed in Krishna. And, um, you know, they both set similar examples, but they were both very well situated and very well prepared. Then you have Bharat Maharaj. Bharat Maharaj's story is interesting because what what these stories are doing, they're taking the philosophy, which is theory, which you hear about, and then it's showing you in practicality through the lives of these devotees that it's actually happening. So, for example, what does Krishna say in the Gita? Whatever you think of, that's what you'll become. And then we have the example, Bharat Maharaj. He's thinking of the deer. He actually becomes a deer. And it's so, Bhagavatam is so interesting. It's like, following Bharat Maharaj through his, like Sukadeva Goswami is following him through three lives. Isn't that interesting? From the King Bharat Maharaj, and then, the, the story is so interesting, because look at it. It said Bharat Maharaj renounced, renounced his kingdom. King is not an easy thing to renounce. He renounced his kingdom like it was stool, like it was nothing. He just walked away from this opulence, right? And then he was situated in Bhav, which is preliminary stage of love of Krishna. 
And then a deer comes, and you know the story. What happened was, he didn't fall down per se. He became distracted by the deer. And Bhagavatam describes when he was dying, the deer was there. The deer was worried about him. He was worried about the deer. And then Prabhupada explains later in the Bhagavatam, when a materialistic person dies, they're always worried about their family. How are they going to live without me? So this story is it's so interesting because he was so renounced that then he achieved the stage of Baba. So what's, what's the message? Well, what actually happened to Bharat Maharaj is he gave up his sadhana because he, he became so attached to taking care of the deer, so affectionate to the deer, that somehow or other that interrupted his sadhana. And without that sadhana and with that affection to the deer, that's what absorbed his consciousness. So then you have the example. What are you thinking of when you die? That's what you become. And there it is, right in front of you. It's like, it's not just a theory. It's there, <laughs> right in the Bhagavatam. And then this amazing thing happens. He's allowed to remember. And why is he allowed to remember? Because he's a devotee and Krishna's merciful to his to a devotee. And so he takes birth as a deer, but he knows why. And, and then he takes birth as Jad Bharat, and he remembers the birth of a deer. And now he's serious, and now he's like, I don't want this to happen again. This was horrible, what happened. So then as Jad Bharat, and very, very renounced, very serious, and he becomes Krishna conscious. So he blew it became a deer, and then Prabhupada says, by his, his own willpower, his own decision, he overcame, overcame that attachment, then he perfected it. Now, you have Dhruva Maharaj, who had said in Bhagavatam, he walked, the Vaikuntha airplane came, and he stood, the stairway was, he walked on the death personifies head, and that's the position of a devotee, Prabhupada said, that if you're a devotee, you will, rather than death attacking you, you will walk on the head of death back to Godhead. So that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? Become a devotee and you can, you know, hand out pamphlets. Become a Hare Krishna, you can walk, you can step on the head of death. You will use the head of death as your staircase to get on the airplane back to Godhead. That's amazing. Meditate on that. How fortunate it is to be a devotee, if that's the case. And you know how the Bhagavatam says, it's not that we're interested in living a long life. Because most people are interested in living a long life because you get more sense gratification. But that's not our goal. I mean, it's nice to live long if you're in Krishna consciousness. You can do a lot of service. But as we said, we'll do service wherever we go. So we're in a very good situation. Then, Preta Maharaj, we just read, and, and um, same thing like Preta Maharaj. You know, these advanced devotees, they're very... They do the right thing with their lives, they renounce. And then, and then you have an example in the third canto of materialistic men, ordinary men, 
dying and how pathetic their death is and how they're trying to hold on to get a few more days, a few more hours, whatever they can get. And that's obviously what goes on in this world. <laughs> a few more years for what? So I can continue my life separate from Krishna. And so it describes that. And, and we're going to read this. And, it, and then it describes well, what you're thinking of you become. And then you have the example of Paranjana. Gives, it, this is another practical example. Paranjana dies thinking of his wife and he becomes a woman. Queen, I think Queen Vidharbi in his next life. So there's another example of what Krishna said in the Gita. It's right there in the Bhagavatam. Interesting. Then you have a Jamil. You have a Jamil, which we all know that wonderful story, that if somehow or other you come in touch with Krishna, you become purified. We were discussing last week Isopanishad, and there's a verse which ends a papa vidham, and Prabhupada translates it, antiseptic and prophylactic. Association with Krishna is antiseptic and prophylactic. In other words, you become purified, no matter what. You have this bhava-rog, this material disease, you become purified by coming in touch with Krishna. So Prabhupada said, Ajamil's chanting, Narayan, 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 he was calling his son, but Narayan is the name of Krishna, and that name is purified. So even though he's calling his son, he's saying the name of Narayan, that name is antiseptic and prophylactic. So he became purified. So, wow. So that, that then personifies what Shastra teaches about the holy name. Mm. Dhruva Maharaj, not Dharma Maharaj, not Dharma Maharaj, Dhruva Maharaj, yeah. So then you have Nalakuvaramani Griva, who again personify what Prabhupada said, if you want to stand naked, you can become a tree. So, okay, that's what happened to them. They're, they're, it's not just theory. It actually happens. This is what goes on. Someone has to become a tree, right? Uh, yes. And then the other stories we mentioned of personalities who were cursed or committed some sin, and then they met Krishna, and then they were liberated. Okay. So let me go back and see the comments because Tamaraj is a Mahajan. He is very dear to Krishna. How can we walk on his head? No, Dhruva Maharaj walked on the head of death, not Dharmaraj. Uh, Shravaniya says her relative for dying seem to be seeing their diseased relatives. I'm not sure. Hmm. A few days before my mother died, she started calling out for her mother. You think she will have gone to Jesus, heaven, to be with her family? Which planet, Jesus? Um, I don't know. It's difficult to say. Um, but Prabhupada was asked this question because the family is its a temporary body. So that's a Christian idea, which is very much connected with the body. <clears throat> but 
these bodies no longer exist. So that wouldn't be there. Okay, let's read some more. This is from 4th Canto, 28th chapter, text 15. So you remember the verse we read yesterday from King Kulikshekar? Prabhupada is quoting the verse in this purport. Krishnatvadiya padavankatya pancharantam adhyayivame vishitramhanasaragyahangsam so Prabhupada quotes that, uh, the prayer in which King Kulikshekar prays to die immediately out of fear that normal death will be so devastating that he'll not remember Krishna. Prabhupada comments in the purport that if in our healthy condition we think of the lotus feet of the Lord and die, it is most fortunate. In old age, at the time of death, the throat sometimes becomes choked with mucus or blocked by air. At such a time, the sound vibration of Hare Krishna, the Maha Mantra, may not come out. Thus, one may forget Krishna. So here's the punchline. This is beautiful. Of course, you can read it. Yeah, it was for 20 seconds. More like 20 seconds. I should probably wait 20 seconds before I read so you could get it up. But here's the punchline. Of course, those who are strong in Krishna consciousness cannot possibly forget Krishna at any stage because they are accustomed to chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, especially when there is a signal from death. Isn't that beautiful? Have you ever been in a car and it looks like you're going to get in an accident, and all of a sudden all the devotees, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, because we're accustomed to do that when there's danger, because we chant every day. So I found this interesting, and we had discussed this yesterday, and said, well, why would a devotee pray, Krishna, let me die now? Because the mood of a devotee is, Krishna, whatever you want. And that is definitely true. Whatever you want, Krishna, you want me to live, you want me to die. Bhaktivinoda says, he says, Manasa deha keha yokinchuma arkilam tuya parinanda kishore is my home, my family, everything. And then the next line, Rakobi marobi yokinchuma, you can protect me, you can kill me, whatever you want. So that's the mood of devotee. So then you say, why is King, we had discussed this yesterday, why is King Kulakshekar praying? Let me die now if the mood of a devotee is, I could die at any time whatever Krishna wants, you know, I'll just go on serving. And then, and, and that makes sense, and we had discussed Jnana, Mishra, Bhakti, that you, you just want what Krishna wants. And then I was thinking, but Prabhupada chanted that song. He chanted that prayer. So that means there's this sentiment um, of becoming absorbed in thinking of Krishna. And I think, I think that song as Prabhupada chants it, is, is more of the mood of Krishna, let me be absorbed in thinking of you now. Not, let me die, because Prabhupada's mood is whatever Krishna wants, live or die, but, but the mood of let me be absorbed. Krishna Tvadiya Padavankajapansharantam Let me, Maswana, my mind be absorbed in the stem. 
So that I think that's more of the mood in which Prabhupada chanted. But still, there's that sentiment who, you know, in a humble way, who knows if I can be Krishna conscious or not. So in that sense I can. Um, Kat Naughton, Planets of the Ancestors, Petri Loka, but you gotta be qualified to go there. So if you do puja for your family, maybe they can go there. Otherwise everyone experiences their karma and has to suffer and enjoy the results of their karma. If you have a good son, he can help free the parents from karma by doing puja on their behalf. Um, so Ganapati says, this is beyond transcendental and ethereal. You're addressing the very topic that has been heavy on my mind. Recently I began writing to you with my questions last night, but whoops. But I went to sleep before I had a chance and yet various people were answering. Yeah, this is such an important topic. Um, so this last line, this is beautiful. Of course, those who are strong in Krishna consciousness cannot possibly forget Krishna at any stage because they are accustomed to chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, especially when there is a signal from death. So Prabhupada's saying, in a sense he's saying, this song of King Kulakshetra is nice, but you don't have to worry, you're a devotee. There's that even when you're choked up and this and that, you'll, then you'll chant in your mind if you don't chant any other way because you're accustomed to chanting. And we had discussed that, that it's that practice every day. You know, like Prabhupada said, chant 60 rounds every day for all the principles, you'll go back to God. And then we think, how is it possible? That's too simple, too easy. I'm not Krishna conscious. But you do that for 50 years. You know, Srila Prabhupada's disciples are coming or have surpassed their 50 years of initiation. So, you know, after 50 years, and they could live another 10 or 20, 60, 70, so accustomed to chanting. I was telling that I like to go on Japa walks, and uh, sometimes I walk, and I can't actually walk without chanting. I'm so used to doing that. It's, it's like a habit. It's in the core of my chemistry or something from doing it so much. So we, we're so used to chanting, like it's, it's just in our blood. So naturally, in the distraught, distressful condition, leaving our body, that's naturally what we do because it's our only shelter. So I'm just, I'm just, I just picked up on this purport because I know some of you were expressing in the last classes, I don't really feel that I'm ready to leave my body. And I'm trying to, point out the things that Prabhupada's saying. It was like, don't worry, you're a devotee. You're like, we've got, we've got you covered. You're a devotee. You know, you're in. You know, like, don't worry. You know, it's like, it's like coronavirus. There are only so many respirators. Don't worry. We've got a respirator for you. You don't have to worry. We've got a room in the ICU for you. Don't worry. Though some devotee just sent me today is that the Indians are about to find the cure for the virus using existing medicines. 
which is interesting. I don't know, somehow or other. I could be wrong, but my intuition is that this is not going to be as bad as everyone makes it to be. And I think also, as devotees, in a sense, we see that when things are bad, they're actually good because it sobers people up. And right now we have more time for hearing and chanting because we, we can't do anything here in Alachua. We just got to stay home. And every, everything is being closed except essential stores. So that's kind of the program everywhere, and it's nice, you know. I'm getting to study like five, six hours a day. That's wonderful. And then we give class for another hour and a half. So it's, so that's beautiful, you know. And you're all home, so we have more people listening. So that's like, okay. So now let's go to the third canto where it describes contrast. Here we have the contrast of the death of Jadbarad or Dhruva Maharaj, Prithu Maharaj, Bhishmadev, or even Ajamil, who was not an ordinary materialistic man, although he became one, but he didn't start out that way. He was a Brahmin. This is 3.30.18. So Kamaniya is going to put it up. 3.30.18. And this is section of the Bhagavatam, and there's a few verses I'm going to read, of how an ordinary person leaves their body. So, I, my tendency is to wait a moment. There it is. 3.30.18. And then, Kamaniya, we're going to, I'm going to read right after this, uh, the next verse, 3.30.19. Thus, the man who engaged with uncontrolled senses in maintaining a family dies in great grief, seeing his relatives crying. He dies most pathetically, in great pain, and without consciousness. Now, I was, I was really fortunate because my father didn't die like this at all. He wanted to die. His body was falling apart. And I have told this before, but this is just to give encouragement, you know, we all look at death and say, well, I'll be so attached, I don't like pain, and I don't want to go. Then I saw my father was an ordinary materialistic man, completely detached from his body because he was losing his eyesight, couldn't walk anymore, he was losing his hearing, and so he thought, well, the body's breaking down, why live? So... Um, That's encouraging. He, he detached and he didn't really believe in God. So, but here is the ordinary materialistic man. It says here he, did, he dies pathetically in great pain without consciousness in the purport. Purport. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is said that at the time of death, one will be absorbed in the thoughts which he cultivated during his lifetime. A person who had no other idea then to properly maintain his family members must have family members in his last thoughts. That is the natural sequence for a common man. So then you might think, well, you know, it's the responsibility of parents, or particularly the father, the husband, to maintain the family. And he should, and we would never say, don't do that. But in Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada says, 
It's natural to do that. It's natural to be attached, but don't be so attached that this is what happens to you. And on a morning walk, they were talking about this, and the devotee said, Prabhupada, it's natural to be attached to... No, he didn't say that. The devotee said, what about attachment to children? Prabhupada said, that's natural. But you shouldn't be so attached to your children, and you shouldn't be so attached to anything that this is what happens to, happens to you at the time of death, where you forget Krishna. That's the problem. So, is it wrong to be attached to this, attached to that? Only wrong if that's <laughs> if that if that is not Krishna conscious, and that you're so attached to that that that's what you think of at the time of death, then you become that in your next life. I don't know if you think of your guitar at the time of death, what you'll become a tree, maybe I don't know. You say, but no, I think of my keyboard, it's made of metal. All right, you'll become some mineral that becomes metal. Uh, the point is, become something. You'll become something. Now, you might say, but my children are devotees, my wife is a devotee. That is an interesting question. Because, because it's said that Pranjan thought of his wife and then he became a woman. And then I thought, but if your wife's a devotee and you think of her, you're thinking of a devotee. That's different. She's a Vaishnavi. She's not just, you're not just thinking of a woman, you're thinking of something in relation to Krishna. But you get the idea that if we cultivate attachments, then Prabhupada's saying, okay, it's natural to be attached, but don't be so attached that you can't leave your body and then you're, you're thinking of them, oh, okay, your wife's a devotee, your kids are devotees, but you may be thinking of them in a way that I, I can't leave, I have to stay. And, and if it interrupts your process of being Krishna conscious, that's not good. If it helps your thinking of Krishna, then yes, then it's good. That's the idea. So that's what we get. So let's, Kamini, as we go to the next one. And then, um, yeah, we're all blessed. We're staying inside and hearing, which is really what our life is meant for, hearing and chanting. And it's so, it's so powerful to spend time hearing and chanting. Um, um, Katie says, beginning when I started memorizing Gita verses, I was reciting them in my sleep, and then I would wake up sleep-talking. <laughs> maybe you should die in your sleep, chanting shlokas, that would be good. Um, yeah, but that's what Prabhupada says in the Bhagavatam. We should, we should, uh, let me get this tighter, we should, um, learn so many verses that we naturally just chant them. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Keep learning those verses. Um, um, another devotee, why don't Deep Tanshu, why don't you just send me a message because it's off topic. Burnisha says, is it okay if we don't fear death? 
somehow after you guided me in Mumbai about letting go of my late mother, I don't feel scared. Not saying that I wouldn't worry for my family, but I am still okay. Though feeling so feels abnormal. <laughs> um, well, if you don't fear death, that's a very evolved state of Krishna consciousness, and that's what Prabhupada is trying to help us, that state he's trying to help us come to. And yes, it's abnormal, but abnormal only materially. It's not abnormal spiritually. It's abnormal for a materialistic person. I had the same experience my, uh, when my father died. I was actually feeling very happy because I was able to give him Krishna consciousness in those last days. And so, but you know, my sister felt the loss. So I felt abnormal also. Yeah. Uh, so that's good that you're abnormal. That's your qualification. Um, it doesn't mean we're insensitive. And it doesn't mean we're insensitive to the pain of others. But we can see from the many things we've read in the last two days that Prabhupada was trying to give us this transcendental vision. And Krishna says, the wise don't lament for the living or the dead because they know nobody dies. So it doesn't mean we're dead without emotion. But it means we have transcendental knowledge. Okay, so now, Kamaniya, we're going to text 19. Yeah, so Kamaniya has text. If you go down to Kamaniya, she has text 19. You can read along with her. Translation, at death, this is, so we're, we're following the last verse. This is how a materialistic man dies. At death, he sees the messengers of the Lord of death come before him. Their eyes full of wrath, and in great fear he passes stool and urine. And then we go to the next verse, which is 3.30.20. I don't know if you included that there. And this describes how a materialistic man is punished. As a criminal is arrested for punishment by the constables of the state, a person engaged in criminal sense gratification is similarly, similarly, I keep moving, sorry, is similarly arrested by the Yama Dutas who bind him by the neck with strong, with a, with strong rope and cover his subtle body so that, he, so that he may undergo severe punishment. So this, I just put this in just to, to contrast what happens and, and exactly how this happens and exactly what happens to someone who's engaged in sinful activities that you can read more in the Bhagavatam. And, but the general idea is we can see how the devotee is protected and how if you're not a devotee, then it's simply, it's simply you have to experience the karmic reaction. And the, and the problem is, in this age, nobody even knows what is sinful. At least if this were an age where the average man knew what was sinful, he could protect himself from committing gross sinful activities. But now, you know, animal slaughter is rampant. 
abortion is rampant. Lying, stealing, cheating is just normal. So, yeah, this is a very unfortunate age. Kalayadoshanidevajan is an ocean of faults, not just a puddle of faults. And so Prabhupada, by giving us the Hare Krishna mantra and Krishna consciousness, has saved us from all of this. Not only saved us, he's telling us that if we follow Krishna consciousness, we're going back to Krishna sooner or later. So let's go to the next one. This is the next one is 42817, and this is about Paranjan. And for a devotee, death can be amazingly purifying. It could force us to practically go into samadhi on Krishna because um, we're losing everything and we may be in pain and naturally thinking of Krishna is our real shelter and real solace, plus we're trained that this is the test. So, so now we go into 4.28.17, and this shows how dying for, for a non-devotee doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't have a purifying effect. King Paranjan was overly attached to his family and conceptions of I and mine. Because he was overly attracted to his wife, he was already quite poverty-stricken. At the time of separation, he became very sorry. So when he was leaving his body, he was feeling very depressed. Purport, it is clear in this verse that at the time of death, thoughts of material enjoyment do not go away. And so for the non-devotee, they could even become stronger, which is so unfortunate. This indicates that the living entity, the soul, is carried by the subtle body, mind, intelligence, and ego. Due to false ego, the living entity still wants to enjoy the material world. And for want of material enjoyment, he becomes very sorry or sad. So you're losing your body, you're losing all facility for material enjoyment, right? That's the body is the vehicle to enjoy, and now that's being taken away. He still makes intellectual plans to further his existence, and therefore, although he gives up the gross body, he is carried by the subtle body to another gross body. So what is Prabhupada saying? He's saying, Materialistic person doesn't want to die. They're still thinking of all their plans, their unfulfilled desires. And so that's what that's where they're at when they die. And I was I was once in the hospital. It might have been when my daughter was born. I can't remember, but we heard we heard some story about a lawyer that was in the hospital and he was in critical condition. And as he was getting better, he was or wanting to get better, he was thinking of all the people he could sue, or still hasn't, you know, the cases he still hasn't won. So let's say he dies in that consciousness. That's what he's thinking of when he dies. What a waste, what a loss. So Prabhupada's saying that's normal for a materialistic 
persons because everybody in the mode of passion and ignorance has so many unfulfilled desires. And so they're still thinking of those things when they die and that becomes their last thought. And therefore, that last thought, we're going to read this, this really nice statement. Remember this, okay, Kamenia, we're going to go to the next one, but I want to say before we go to the next one, um, Um, your last thought in this life becomes your first thought in the next life. Hare Krishna. Isn't that an interesting way to put it? Your last thought in... Prabhupada said that. And we're going we're gonna to come across that quote. Your last thought in this life becomes your first thought in the next life. Uh, isn't that interesting? So that's what's being described here. Um, how can you help people leaving their body? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Have your time. Chant, teach them they're not their body, and so forth. Mm. So, now we're going to go to the next verse. So what happened to King Pranjan? It's explained here. Translation, King Paranjan gave up his body while remembering his wife, and consequently, in his next life, he became a very beautiful and well-situated woman. He took his next birth as the daughter of King Vidarbha in the very house of the king, Vidarbhi. Purport, since King Paranjan thought of his wife at the time of death, he attained the body of a woman in his next birth. This verifies the following verse in the Gita, yam yam bapi smaram bhavam tajante kalevaram tam tam evaiti kundaya salata bhava bhavita. Whatever state one remembers when he quits his body, that state he will attain without jail. So then we have another example of that verse, and there it is. Right there in front of you, everyone, right in the Bhagavatam, exactly what Krishna said. Your last thought becomes your first thought. That is so interesting. Make a t-shirt. The last thought of this life becomes the first thought of your next life. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So there it is. His last thought was his wife. Therefore, not only was it his first thought in the next life, it's what he became in the next life. So another t-shirt. Your last thought in this life is what you become in the next life. You know, I've often said... And it's interesting, and I know we understand this, but it's just interesting to put it in this way. We have this subtle body, mind, intelligence, and ego. And so I think a lot of us don't like our subtle body because our mind is weird and it thinks of things we don't want it to think and it impels us to do things or tempts us to do things we don't want to do. We don't all really like our minds, at least not all the time. And the Bad news is, well, that's the mind you get in the next life, even though you get this other body. Maybe you get a better body. Maybe it's stronger, more beautiful, obviously younger, maybe in a better situation materially, but you get the same mind because that's the mind you created. So although you get a new body and, uh, according to your karma, you don't get a new mind. The only advantage is from the beginning you can get new samskars, but all this, whatever in there, it's just... That's what we're going to get. So 
Now in this life, we have a chance to get rid of all this stuff we don't, baggage we don't want to take into the next life. And because, but if we don't, that's just what we have to deal with. It's interesting, right? New body, same mind. Bad deal, but... Okay, now we're going to go to 1930, and this talks about the glorious passing of Bhishma. So you see how the Bhagavatam is interesting because it's, it's describing the glorious passing of many devotees, but it's also describing the inglorious passing of people who are not Krishna conscious. So, um, yeah. Okay, 1930. Translation. Thereupon, that man who spoke on different subjects with thousands of meanings and who fought on thousands of battlefields and protected thousands of men stopped speaking and being completely freed from all bondage, withdrew his mind from everything else and fixed his wide open eyes upon the original personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, who stood before him, four-handed, dressed in yellow garments. Wow, we need music for that. That's beautiful, isn't it? I was just reading this and I was thinking, this is like, this is like the end of the movie and then comes the narration. Let me read that again. So imagine this is the movie, and um, Bhishma Dev has just left his body, and you've seen that whole scene, and laying on the bed of arrows, and everything that led up to it, and the battle, and Krishna defending Arjun. And I don't have an announcer's voice, but we will try. Okay. Thereupon, that man who spoke on different subjects with thousands of meanings, and who fought on thousands of battlefields, and protected thousands of men, stopped speaking, and being completely freed from all bondage, withdrew his mind from everything else, and fixed his wide open eyes upon the original personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, who stood before him forehanded, dressed in yellow garments that glittered and shone. No, he hasn't left his body yet. It's just going to happen. Beautiful scene, right? Put that scene in your brain. This is, this is what our minds are supposed to be thinking about and absorbed in, and not you know, all this other stuff around us. Um, <laughs> Mm. So, the Priya Madhva says, my mind is attached. Sense gratification. Welcome to the club. You are not unique at all. It's discouraging. Yes, it is. What? How do we get over it? Think about serving Krishna. Absorb your mind in hearing and chant a holy name and you just need something better to talk about. This is like way more interesting than what your mind may be thinking of. And, and understand that whatever you want to achieve in this world that you think will make you happy will disappoint you. 
And whatever you can do to please Krishna's sentences will make you ecstatic. You just have to understand that. And um, a good broom hitting on your head may help also, as Bhakti Siddhanta said, you know. Um, we have to learn the art, if our mind is not controlled, we have to learn the art of neglect. Like devotees say, you know, this bad thing happened and now my mind's disturbed. What do I do? And I say, just pretend it didn't happen. Just like, it didn't happen. I didn't, I didn't, you didn't see that, did you? You ever, you ever been in a situation where <laughs> something really bad happens and you turn to a friend? You didn't see that, did you? And like, no, I didn't. Because you don't, what does that mean? No, we both saw it. It means we don't want to remember what we just saw. It was so bad. Like, you know, someone just chopped a, uh, killed an, you know, an animal for food or there was some kind of super drunk people or, you know, breaking of principles, you know, right in front of our eyes. You didn't see that, did you? No, I didn't see it. No, we both saw it. We just don't want to remember it. So we have to learn that, that art of when this stuff gets in our head, it just kind of like goes into the garbage disposal. Just like, we have to learn that science, being detached enough. So let's read the purport. In the momentous hour of leaving his material body, Dev set the glorious example concerning the important function of the human form of life. The subject matter which attracts the dying man becomes the beginning of his next life. There it is. I mean, I put it differently. The subject matter which attracts the dying man becomes the beginning of his next life. And, you know, we've heard that. Yum, yum, bapi, smanam, whatever you think. But this, this is a little more poetic. And Prabhupada says, not what you think, what you become, but what you're thinking when you die, that's the first thing you're thinking. That becomes what you're absorbed in when you're born. Hare Krishna. So, I mean, that really underscores the need to be Krishna conscious, doesn't it? At the time of death. Yes? Therefore, if one is absorbed in thoughts of the Supreme Lord, Sri Krishna, he is sure to go back home, back to Godhead without any doubt. This is confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. So then you have the verses eight, the eighth chapter, verses 5 through 10. And we're just going to read those because it's in the purport. And whoever at the time of death quits his body, remembering me alone, at once attains my nature. Of this there is no doubt. Whatever state of being one remembers when he quits his body, that state he will attain without fail. Therefore, O Arjuna, you should always think of me in the form of Krishna and at the same time carry out your prescribed duty of fighting with your activities dedicated to me and your mind and intelligence fixed on me, you will attain me without doubt. He who meditates on the Supreme Personality of God at his mind, constantly engaged in remembering me, undeviated from the path, O Partha, Arjuna, is sure to reach me. And now, verse number nine, Krishna is saying, think of me. Now he's explaining how to think of him. 
one should meditate upon the Supreme Person as one who knows everything, as he who is the oldest, who is the controller, who is smaller than the smallest, who is, maintainer, who is the maintainer of everything, who is beyond all material conception, who is inconceivable, and who is always a person. He is luminous like the sun, and he is transcendental beyond this material nature. So think of me, think of me, whatever you think of, it's gonna, that's where you'll go. Think of me, think of me, and this is how to think of me. And number 10, at the time of death, one who fixes his life air between the eyebrows by the strength of yoga with an undeviated mind engages himself in remembering the Supreme Lord in full devotion will certainly attain to the Supreme Personality of God. And there, we're going to read some other things, I don't know if we have time today, about how you don't have to worry if you're a devotee about being Krishna conscious at the time of death. Although, you just have to worry about being Krishna conscious now. And if you worry about being Krishna conscious now, you don't have to worry about being Krishna conscious when you die. Isn't that assuring? That if you do it now, Krishna will take care of you. So, Bhishma Dev desires fulfilled. That's the next one. So, Kamani, if you can bring that up and then we'll read. While you're doing that, we'll read Ganapati's question. I'm literally quivering, quivering. I think you mean inside. Again, every single concern I had in my mind to write you about, you're answering before you have read my words. How can this be? I know everything. That's why. You didn't know I know everything? This is me shaking, Hare Krishna. Um, I can explain what it means is that it's not that I know everything, but Krishna knows what you need. And because Krishna knows what you need, he makes me speak what you need. That's my understanding. So, uh, okay, so now the next section here, if you go to Kamaniya, you can read that. Um, this is the, well, maybe this is the purport to this, continuing. Sri Bhishmadev attained the perfection of quitting his body at will and was fortunate enough to have Lord Krishna, the object of his attention, personally present at the time of death. He therefore fixed his open eyes upon him. He wanted to see Sri Krishna for a long time out of his, out of his spontaneous love for him. Because he was a pure devotee, he had very little to do with the detailed performance of yogic principles. Simply bhakti yoga is enough to bring about perfection. Therefore, the ardent desire of Bhishmadev was to see the person of Lord Krishna, the most lovable object. And by the grace of Lord Krishna, Sri Bhishmadev had this opportunity at the last stage of his breathing. So what does this mean? This means that Krishna is fulfilling the desire of his pure devotee. And this obviously was what Bhishmadev wanted, and he was so fortunate. He had this blessing, he could die 
whenever he wanted, and he said, well, I'm not going to die until Krishna comes, and I just want to see Krishna. And in order to fulfill his desire, which is what Krishna always does, because Krishna loves his devotee, that's what he did, and he came. So that's encouraging. If, if you want to be Krishna conscious when you leave your body, Krishna will make the arrangement for you. Have that faith. Okay, so then we have... Um, we have a que comment or a question. It's possible to be completely in touch to the body at the moment of death. If some, I've never practiced transcendence. I don't understand. Completely detached. You mean, is it possible to be detached from the body at the moment of death if one never practices any path? If he's, if he suffers enough, yeah. Or he has, you know, it could be a Christian. That's some spiritual. But you say it because I said my father, yeah, because he suffered, he detached. The world, the, the point of saying that is that the world, the way things go, the world detaches you. And, um, you know, what's going on in the world today with the coronavirus is it's just waking people up a little bit to the reality. I mean, you know, this whole economy could be destroyed in a few months. We're, you know, it's we're not existing on a very stable and stable situation, and nobody's growing food. So, you know, it's to wake up called everyone, devotees as well. So that's good. There's only Mahatma. We have a message from. Bhakti Devi, the only rice left in Alachua is Mahatma rice. Of course, there's no rice better than that, right? It's certainly meant for the great souls. Uh, so, um, Kamini has a question. Where would someone like your father go if they were at least able to detach? Well, the thing was, because he's my father, he'll, Prabhupada said, he'll become a devotee. Prabhupada said, all our parents will become devotees. But if he weren't, he would still get his normal karma. Then he just detached out of, um, or, he was just trying to avoid suffering. And that was, I think, how, you know, he wanted to die, mercy killing. So it wasn't, it wasn't coming from spiritualization or knowledge or, but it does show that suffering does help us become detached. And the thing is, for us, you could say, okay, you take my father, he became detached, and you take a devotee in the same situation, he may become detached, but the devotee uses that detachment to be Krishna conscious. But detachment in and of itself, it, it, for an ordinary person, doesn't help. Just like, you know those items of knowledge? We began by reading the items of knowledge, humility. We didn't read them all. We just read perceiving the evils of birth and death. But there's humility, pridelessness, self-control, tolerance, and so forth. So in the purport there, Prabhupada says, these if you're not a devotee, these qualities are really of, of no use. So, you know, you're humble, but what are you going to do with it? You're tolerant, but what are you going to do with it? It, it may be useful for you as an individual, at maybe good in relationships, and so forth. But Prabhupada's saying, if 
you're not a devotee, then it doesn't, it, those qualities in and of themselves don't help you become Krishna conscious. Just like being vegetarian doesn't mean in and of itself it's going to make you Krishna conscious. So in the same way, detachment in and of itself it's not, doesn't necessarily going to make you Krishna conscious. But if you're a devotee and you have these qualities, then you employ them in Krishna service. Or as Katie says, detachment equals attachment to Krishna. She just answered the question in three words. Hare Krishna. <laughs> so, we have about five minutes left, so we can read one more thing. This is 1935 purport. This is really sweet, and you may have heard this before, and you may have heard something about what happened to all the soldiers who died in the Battle of Kurukshetra, because we learned that 680 million people were killed in 18 days. That's like, that's insane. That's like, you know, all of Europe was just basically wiped out. And so that sounds very depressing. No, it wasn't depressing. Let's read. The Lord, this is from the purport. The Lord diminished the duration of life of the opposite party by his merciful glance. It is said that all the fighters who assembled on the battlefield of Kurukshetra attained salvation by personally seeing the Lord at the time of death. Therefore, his diminishing the duration of life of Arjuna's enemies does not mean that he was partial to the cause of Arjuna. Factually, he was merciful to the opposite party because they would not have attained salvation by dying at home in the ordinary course of life. Interesting. If they, if they didn't go to battle, they wouldn't have got liberation. But because they went to the battle and they died seeing Krishna, they got liberation. Here was a chance to see the Lord at the time of death and thus attain salvation from material life. Therefore, the Lord is all good and whatever he does is for everyone's good. Apparently, it was for the victory of Arjuna, his intimate friend, but factually, it was for the good of Arjuna's enemies. Such are the transcendental activities of the Lord and whoever understands this also gets salvation after quitting this material body. The Lord does no wrong in any circumstances because he is absolute all good at all times. So later we're going to read specifically actually what happened to them because it describes according to their realization what happened and I don't want to tell you because I'll let Prabhupada tell you. But they either became liberated in Brahman or they went to Vaikuntha, depending on their connection with Krishna. So, you take 680 million, if you could take 680 million people, drop a bomb on them and send them back to Godhead, would you do it, yes or no? That's a moral dilemma, right? I'll leave you with that question, and we can discuss that tomorrow. You have a chance of sending 680 million people back to Godhead, but you just have to drop an atomic bomb all over Europe to do it. Would you do it? Or would you just let them live in this world and live out their karma and die a normal death? What do you think is better? Now someone might say, you can't kill them. If Krishna allows you to do it or Krishna orders you to do it. Or let's say Krishna allows you to do it. And say Krishna says, if you here's the bomb, 
if you drop this bomb, they'll all be liberated. I think you'd probably do it, right? You would consider that's the best thing. So that would be a blessing. That's what Prabhupada's saying. Okay, we have one. Sanatini would do it. Okay. Okay, it's never going to happen, so it's a theoretical question, and we're not... I hope no one from the um, newspaper just heard this conversation and is going to publish. The Hare Krishnas would, if they could liberate people, would kill everybody. It sounds like the um, a terrorist organization, but we're talking, we're not talking practically, we're talking philosophically. So, Parananda says, what is the destination parents of devotees? They become devotees. Prabhupada said, they'll become devotees. He said they'll be liberated. Your parents will be liberated. So just stay in Krishna consciousness. So you are a devotee when your parents die. They'll be liberated. And devotees said, Prabhupada, what does that mean? Our parents will be liberated. Prabhupada said, they will become devotees in their next life. Wow. So my mother right now, I, did I tell you this? My mother died in 1976. She was born in 77. So how old does that make her? 97, 10 years, 2007. 20 years, 2017. So she's 33, right? Or 43. She died. 70. No, 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 no. She died in... Whoa, whoa, whoa. She died in 76. So let's say she took birth in 77. There's 87, 97, 2007. Wait a minute. Could some, my brain's dead. Can somebody... Tell me, my mother died in 1976. That was a year before Prabhupada. So she's 44, right? So my mother is 44, is a 44-year-old devotee. So I once met this devotee and I said, how old are you? And she said, at that time it was, you know, it was the same, she took birth the same year as my mother. So I think you're my mother. <laughs> Every, every time I meet a devotee that age, it doesn't have to be a woman, I guess. But that's what it means. Somewhere, in, probably in the Hare Krishna movement, a 44-year-old man or woman is my mother. We just have to go to Brigusamita and find out who it is. Hare Krishna. So that's where your parents will go. And then my father died in 1996. So he's 24. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so we read five pages of ten, and I'm going to probably come up with another ten pages. So we're going to, maybe not another ten, but we're going to try to look at this issue from various points of view with the goal of uh, a couple goals that you will feel fortunate to be a devotee and see how much Krishna protects you and then realize that facing your death is it's not going to be as dramatic as you may think. Krishna will be there to help you. And that the real identity we have even as the soul is carried by the subtle body. So the gross body, it's, you know, of course, you have friends that want you around and so forth, but Everything has to take its course. Okay, thank you very much. Um, let other devotees know. We have to get up to 100 or 2 or 300, I think. Let other devotees know. Share the class. Invite them. 
Um, I think this is important, useful, enlightening, and uh, Hare Krishna, we will see you today is my time today is Tuesday. Yeah. Okay, so we're good to go. There may possibly be changes on the weekend to accommodate other classes I'm doing in other parts of the universe. I mean, other parts of the world. But I would let you know. Otherwise, everything is scheduled for 8 o'clock every day. Hare Krishna. And I didn't play a song for you, but my guitar is right there. I think that maybe we'll chant the verses of remembering Krishna at the time of death. That would be nice. Tomorrow. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.